Welcome to the Canola Watch podcast. My name is Jay Wetter. Today we're talking about three factors, seeding rate, cultivar maturity, and harvest method, and how they stack together to influence canola yield potential and yield stability. My guest is... Brian Barris, uh, Senior Research Scientist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada in Lethbridge. Brian Barris just completed a study called Manipulating Agronomic Factors for Optimum Canola Harvest Timing, Productivity, and Crop Sequencing. He included three agronomic factors, seeding rates, which were 60, 120, and 180 seeds per square meter, or approximately 6, 12, and 18 seeds per square foot, harvest methods, which were swathing at 60% seed color change, swathing at 90% seed color change, straight cutting at 10% seed moisture, and straight cutting at 5% seed moisture. And cultivars. He used two, a late maturing Invigor L255PC and early maturing Invigor L233P. Both had pod shad resistance. Before we dig into the study and its results, let's learn a little bit about Brian Barris. Brian, what attracted you to science in the first place? <laughs> well, it was a it was a it was an unconventional path where um, I initially went to university, and like a lot of kids, I really didn't know what I was going to do for sure. But I thought I had some good teachers, and I thought you know education might be a good path, and there's some transferable skills around communication and leadership. I thought would be good. So I actually started off getting a education degree plus a geography degree, but at the same time working at the research station as a student. So um, long story short, get my degrees, early 90s, not a lot of job prospects, and then got offered a position at, at the research station as a technician. And then eventually got to a point where they told me, you know, you can stay in a technician path and do okay, but we also have a reduced agronomy capacity and we're looking to move uh, someone into a biologist position if you go back to grad school so i went back to grad school got my master's and our position moved from just strictly adaptation testing to research and at that point the bulb really went off and um, uh, we started running some of my own experiments and stuff and i thought geez this is this is good but if you want to be a player you better go get a phd so then Took me a while because of working full time and family and all that, but went back and got my PhD. And 32 years later, and um, eligible for retirement, and in what I call my unrestricted free agent mode now. Is Lethbridge your hometown or nearby? Yeah, I grew up on a farm um, east of east of Lethbridge, and so it. You know, I, I think people lose sight of the of just how valuable that context could be as a scientist. You know, sometimes sometimes some of our best scientists are those that were city kids that came because they, you know, they weren't, they didn't have that bias of, of stuck in old ways. But at the same time, sometimes the farm kid in you can, can bring some of that practical, you know, is this actually scalable to that kind of a landscape? I think this project that we're going to talk about today is is very practical. And so let, let's just start off with you giving me a bit of a, a description of the study itself, the, the objectives. Sure. 
Can you just walk me through what you were looking at with this project? You know, the seating density thing and and whatnot um, has been looked at a a lot and, and, and 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 changed a lot. Like we on the wheat side started promoting higher seating rates and, and um, which is, which is sort of easier to sell because of the seed costs not being what they are with, with hybrid seed. But, but there were so many other things happening. You know, you mentioned swathing, like I just did sort of an informal um, poll on Twitter while we were doing that. And, And the number and how rapidly the growers were switching over to straight cutting was, was really surprising um and then it kind of eased back a little bit and now you get sort of this geographic separation a bit where you see probably more straight cutting in the south and swathing to the north northern latitudes perhaps but anyway a shift and and lots of questions around the interplay with that density with the harvest management and now okay if we're going to go in with with a different harvest management and we've got these new hybrids out that have pod shadow reduction trait, you know, it gave us a good opportunity to explore that concept in the context of a new trait and to really, you know, really ground truth that trait to measure its impact and how it could facilitate new practices around, you know, straight cutting and whatnot. And yeah, we got some really cool results because it was a great opportunity to bring in some things that I had done before with wheat in terms of yield stability and, and um, you know, just trying to get a sense of how these results would change over um, as over different environments and, and whatnot. So, so that was really cool, really great opportunity. Well, let's, let's go into the seeding rate part of it then. So you compared three seeding rates, 60, 120 and 180 seeds per square meter which yeah. is roughly 6, 12, and 18 seeds per square foot, give or take. And then and then I think you assumed about a 50 to 60% seed survival. So the, so it ended up being, what, three, three, six, and nine plants per square foot, something like that? Well, that's kind of what we were guessing, yeah, that we were going to end up at, yeah. Um, and, and, and we knew, like, especially down here, right, that um, – you know, everybody talks about the seed input cost, but there's a practical thing to that too, where um, on irrigation, you'll get growers that would tell me, you know, we don't want to go with a high seeding rate because, and, and we'll talk about why they get away with it too, but they like to go with that low seeding rate because it gives them this way thicker, sturdier stock um, that really facilitates their kind of harvest management. So, and under irrigation, it won't lodge as, as readily, you know, just considerations like that, that you might overlook when you're just thinking about things like that. Could you isolate from your results what, what the best seeding rate might, might be for the brown soil zone for canola? To me, it's what, what are the, what are the factors in that environment that are going to create a unique situation? And then with this interplay of genetics and harvest management and, and, and seeding rate, how does how does that system you've woven together how does it withstand that or how does it do and so so in this study we did a sensitivity analysis where um you know what rate gives us 
gives us the best in 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 certain environments and the 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 long and short of it was you would get a you would get probably over all these environments the best yield stability the best yield at that 12 seeds per square foot going into the ground which is probably giving you around six and and the and we and i look at that as the sweet spot because we get even better results at the at the 18 per square foot or the 180 per square meter but we all know that's cost prohibitive right so so this is that's the interesting thing so right around that that you know 10 to 12 would be what i would be looking for and then if if you wanted you know by soil zone i'd be thinking you know what what kind of abiotic stress am I going to be experiencing? And then what kind of biotic stress am I going to be experiencing? We've been getting hammered um, here and, and sort of it, it's not a soil zone thing, but like flea beetles, for example. So, you know, a certain plant stand is going to take a beating and might not be enough of a threshold to to compensate. And so those are the kind of considerations I would and be thinking about almost regardless so 120 was always coming in or that 12 seeds was always coming in at kind of a sweet spot. Now, the really cool thing about this um, is we were able to get some insight on, you know, that grower that wants to go low. So, which is almost all of them that I talked to, but you know, the irony is where they really get away with it is where water limitations aren't an issue, right? So in other words, under irrigation. So what we found was, you know, you can have really good success at half the seeding rate, you know, at that six seeds per square foot. But here's the here's the here's the caveat to that. It's got to be in environments where you don't have stress. So if you remove, you know, one of the, you know, most significant yield constraints, that being water, if that's no longer an issue. Now you can probably get away with a lower seeding density, assuming and sort of predicting that you won't have other stressors that particular year. But could a guy who's in the brown soil zone just south of the irrigation belt get away with 60? I would say not because we're in a really bad drought. I mentioned the flea beetles. People are perhaps using seeding rates that are are too low for, for the risk. And I, I want to yeah. Well, one of the one of the quotes you used from Neil Harker in, in your report, it's not a quote of Neil, but it's referencing his research. It says, Harker et al., and, and this is 2016, reported that over half of Western Canadian growers plant at rates that achieve less than 40 plants per square meter or, or four per square foot, despite canola seeding rate being the second most influential factor in canola production after nitrogen. So, so this emphasizes what what you've been saying yeah. is that if you're going to be spending money on a crop you might as well make sure that yeah. uh, you got it you got enough seed there yeah a hundred i agree with you a hundred percent and um and that's kind of why we 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 think that balance and compromise with the with the 12 seed per square foot that's gonna you know can consistently give you that 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 plant density is is where you want to be because um you know that the back and forth coffee table shop talk around seeding rates almost always overlooks a lot of the intangibles that, you know, don't forget Neil Harker was a weed scientist, right? And a big part of why we push seeding rates um, was competitive ability 
uh, whether you're talking about wheat, winter wheat, canola, whatever, is just that competitive ability, the uniformity, um, you know, canola is as good or better than winter wheat when it comes to plasticity and, and uh, compensatory mechanisms to, to, you know, to make up for fewer plants, but it, it never quite gets there. You talked about critical yield components and, and we've talked about plant density as being a real key one. The other two on your list are seed weight on the primary branches and pod number on the secondary branches. Can you explain what those three components are? I guess we don't need to explain plant density. We've got that part figured out. What are the other two? This was sort of the cool thing about this study because um, nobody had really taken a sort of a deeper dive at that for a while if they have at all. And so we were we were wanting to know, like we know that um, if your if your density goes up, you have a certain crop canopy and that crop canopy is going to shift and look different as you change that density and so you know to what i was saying before like if if you if you look at why was that lower density for example able to hang in there it's it's because it could it's because of the way that it you know shifted its resources um all of a sudden you're getting certain seed weights on primary branches um pod number on secondary branches um and if those change enough from the analysis that we did that that critical yield is going to take a hit and and so we we see those changes that um you know that that machine of that canopy is trying to change and and make up for you know that that seeding rate that that cheated you know the canopy and the yield potential because it couldn't it couldn't keep up and maintain um you know what was needed for those critical yield components like um pod number and so on you need a lot of things going right for yeah. those for those other two components the the seed weight and the primary branches well and then especially the pod number on on the secondary branches yeah. like a lot of things have to go right for that to compensate for not enough plants in the first place it's it's an insurance policy of going to instead of 60 up to 120 that i think you know rewards you time in and time out it's like i i always talk about i got challenged a little bit on some of these i guess unique practices that we've been advocating and and this would fall into it a little bit is like you know we have to think about you know, the eight out of 10 environments or eight out of 10 years in that field and what led to success versus, you know, the effect of a one out of 10 or a two out of 10, because the one out of 10 and the two out of 10 can quite often stick in our minds more so than the regular, you know, seven, eight, because you're seeing those more often, right? So you get a little desensitized or accustomed to those responses. But when you get something happening in the one and two all of a sudden there's sort of a knee-jerk reaction to make a change i, I want to go back to something you just said brian you, you said you were challenged on some of the unique practices you were advocating to me these don't sound unique to me so who 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 is challenging you and on what practices well i think i think if you there, there's certain um like we've been doing some work on ultra early wheat that 
has been really embraced by some, but you know, others would say, well, you know, I would rather wait and plant in a dry year. And, 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 you know, so I'm like, okay, so is that your real eight out of 10 experience or, you know, and I think, I think a little bit I've heard on the density side to canola management where, you know, you guys can talk about, you know, 10, 12 seeds per square foot all you want, but there's no way I'm going to plant that because I get this. And it's like, well, okay. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's a pretty cheap insurance policy that we know over, over environments, over, you know, over years, we, we see it, you know, giving you that system stability. And that's another context that I think we don't talk often enough about is we talk a lot about yield, um, but how much do we talk about the yield stability of that system and and what how valuable is that to you what what dollar are you going to put on a on a stable yield versus well that one year 10 years ago i got 70 bushel canola or something you know well would you rather have 55 year in year out by adopting these practices or you know what i mean so i think i think the stability piece is something that we still in all of our knowledge transfer um responsibilities need to talk a bit more about i think we're going to probably end with something like that we're not ending yet but i want to bring that back where we can where you can give a kind of a closing comment but before we get there there's a couple of the things we need to chat about and and one of them is that the harvest method component of this study so you looked at swathing and straight combining and two timings for each uh, 60% yeah. seed color change for swathing, 90% seed color change, straight combining at 10% moisture, and then later straight combining at 5% moisture. I mean, across the board, which frankly kind of surprised me a little bit, um, was that straight cutting was, you know, everybody shifting to straight cutting, you can understand it because there's no yield penalty, if anything, um if it's done right you probably are getting superior results with that particularly with there was a bit of a you know if you look at the buy plots we create in in the horizontal bar that you see in the figure that's your average yield well obviously 255 as a hybrid was above average just about with everything but it was there was kind of a 50 50 between straight cutting and swathing whereas the only above average yields for um, 233, the other pod shatter reduction was 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 in a straight cutting situation. So so straight cutting was fine for both. For earlier hybrids, it might even be superior. But the the data from this is really telling us it's real critical to have a uniform field that you've staged properly so that you're not going in too late to straight cut because you'll you'll potentially pay a price for that. Whereas swathing's a little more flexible that way. Okay, that's really interesting. It sounds like one of those dilemmas. Like, I guess yeah. if you wanna manage risk to the max, uh, swath, but if you want highest yield, straight combine. But but you, you're if you if you straight combine too late, you risk kind of undoing all those benefits that you might've achieved. Is that what you're saying, Brian? I, I would say the 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 most modern and potentially rewarding practice would be would be straight cutting, 
but but you know you could get bit a bit if you if you didn't time it right you can't be so loosey-goosey with going out there and straight cutting um because if you're late with it you know you're you're going to suffer whereas you can either stack practices together that are going to give you a really good dividend at the end of the day if you've done it right or or it can make you pay a price if you've just you know bet on red way too many times and the and the roulette table isn't rolling your way because if you're at a low density you decided to straight cut but you waited too long um now you're paying a price that um and and you and it's really hard to figure out because it's almost like you're chasing a goal so why did it yield well was it the density or was it straight cutting too late you know i can't quite figure it out and that's because it's so unstable that the yields are bouncing all over the place from environment to environment whereas you know if i timed it right okay i've got a late hybrid um i'm i'm probably going to be okay with either swathing or straight cutting but if i decide to straight cut i sure as hell better have it timed right whereas you know if it's an earlier hybrid i probably should straight cut and so i really need to have my ducks in a row to make sure that's happening at the right time and other practices are going to facilitate that I just want to note here that the the, the locations for this study were, I think Brandon, Indian Head, Lacombe, and Lethbridge. Right. So all, all longer season growing areas. Yes. Um, the, the, did you do anything at all up in in any of the northern regions? Anything you can extrapolate for for say the piece? Well, I would say. I, I would say that um, you know, kind of, kind of what I'm hearing on the anecdotal side, plus what we're seeing on this, maybe, you know, as you move further north, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure how how easy it's going to be for producers to straight cut, for example. So, if if you are moving further north and you are in a situation because of weather environment or whatever that swathing is sort of your harvest management go-to um you know then i can see why because there's more in some ways more flexibility built into that whereas um the flip side of that is if you're going with really early hybrids because you're up north in a shorter growing season um it may be that you could see some advantage with straight cutting if you could if you could pull that off. I want to wrap up with what your message would be to canola farmers on the prairies based on what you discovered with this work. And I, I think you're probably going to repeat yourself a bit, but I want to give you a chance to tie this all up in a nice bow. If I was to like make a broad conclusion, I would say, you know, um, regardless of hybrid, um you know we, we sh we've shown again that 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 12 seeds per square foot or 120 seeds um per square meter is kind of a sweet spot that i think is where a producer should start thinking about when they're starting to set and calibrate their drill um and so that's what to be thinking about early on the hybrid selection um obviously you know what we see with that is that this pod shadow reduction trade if you're straight cutting 
it's it's everything that I think people were hoping it would be. We did seed loss work in this project as well, and there was just it was there was just nothing notable in terms of losses. So there's there's a there's there's genetics that'll facilitate your switch to straight cutting, particularly if you do choose an earlier hybrid, because we do tend to see that it looks like it's better adapted to a straight cutting system anyway. But all that said, if you are swathing, um, if that's kind of your go-to, um, you know, there's more flexibility built into that. So tighten up, tighten up your game if you're going to go straight cutting in terms of, you know, the timeliness of it. Stick with that seeding rate because it's going to give you the ability to stage it better because you're going to have a more uniform stand. And you know, at the end of the day, if if you need to cheat back a seeding rate for whatever reason, if you've got a operational consideration for it i mean it's possible to do so but you better be certain about the fact that the environment that year is going to be pretty low in terms of stress because that's that's when you'll succeed with that um it's up to you to figure out whether or not that upcoming environment is gonna is gonna provide you with that right on Thanks, Brian. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Yeah, it was good talking to you. Brian Barris is a research scientist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada in Lethbridge, Alberta. You can read a short summary of this study in the Canola Digest Science Edition for 2023. It will be posted at canoladigest.ca in mid to late November. The article includes a nice grid showing which combinations have the best yield and lowest risk. The combination of late maturing canola hybrid L255PC and seeding rates of 120 or 180 seeds per square meter and straight combining took top spot. Please look for the article to see more. Canola Watch is an agronomy service from the Canola Council of Canada with support from the three prairies based canola grower organizations Sass Canola, Alberta Canola, and Manitoba Canola Growers. At the core of Canola Watch is a timely agronomy email with regular updates throughout the growing season on pests, weather, fertilizer management, and other topics. If you are not already subscribed, please sign up at canolawatch.org. This has been a Canola Watch podcast. I'm Jay Wetter. Thank you very much for listening.